Welcome to the Smart Nonsense Podcast, where we talk about entrepreneurship, self-development, and challenging norms. Today, it's episode 52, and we are talking with a fellow podcaster deep in the startup world. He's the host of the Forward Thinking Founders Podcast, where he explores all these different hidden nuggets, these hidden gem founders within Silicon Valley. He's looking for those, those beginning stage companies that are about to blow up. A few notable guests, he's had Eric Reese of The Lean Startup, Austin Allred of The Lambda School, and even our friend Valentin Perez of Learn Monthly. The guest we're hinting at is Matt Sherman, and we talk about his wild startup experiences, the truth about Silicon Valley, and some of the lessons that he's learned after speaking with over 300 startup founders and over 100 venture capitalists. If you want to connect with Matt on Twitter, he is there. It's at M-A-T underscore Sherman. You can also see his website, which is a, a crazy idea. We'll get into that, but it's called forwardthinking.city. And it's basically Silicon Valley, but online. And you can also find his email list, forwardthinking.substack.com. I'm excited for you to listen to the podcast. Let's get into it. This is episode 52 with Matt Sherman. We're here. This is Smart Nonsense, and we're talking to Matt Sherman, as we said in the intro. And Matt, there's a lot we want to cover. Like We want to get into just everything entrepreneurship with your, your whole background there, because it's fascinating how you evolved into now doing podcasts. Congrats on 300 episodes. It's, this is, it's yeah. been a wild ride just seeing what you've done. What, what's that feel like first? Like You just crossed the 300 threshold. What is that like? Um. I would say the initial thought is I like that it wasn't just something I did and then stopped doing. Like it, it's a project that I have seen through and it has not just stayed a project, but evolved into something. And that I'm proud of that. Cause I'm one, just like a lot of entrepreneurs to like start a lot of things and like change ideas in like a month. And the podcast was not that the podcast is like a thing and it's pretty much here to stay, which is uh, which is exciting to me. Matt, I, I wonder because Okay, I'm 23 years old. I've thought I was an entrepreneur my entire life. And I was listening to how I built this podcast. And I figured about two to four weeks ago that I might just be an inventor, not an entrepreneur. Like you said, it's like, I love the creation. I love the zero to oneness of things. But as soon as it becomes kind of the long haul, three year, five year, 10 year, I'm like, I, I want to invent something. So maybe you too aren't as much of an entrepreneur as, as you think, or more so. I think that it's the, the, um, it's, it's this evolution. It's the stage. Like, I mean, I definitely am a idea person and an inventor. Um, but I want, like, I, I think if you stay an inventor forever, that's good if that's what you want to be, but no, I want to, you know, I want to create a lot of value, like doing something that I am super interested in. And my first company, which we can talk about was like, not, it was creating a lot of value, but like it wasn't like, I wasn't like that super into it. Um, to be totally honest, like it was content marketing as a service. And I just, you know, I'm just like, eh, you know, like this is good, cool, but not, not loving it. Um, so now that I've kind of figured out a way to now my full-time gig, um, is what I'm doing now, which is forward thinking and all, all that encapsulates it. I definitely feel like I, I've gone from inventor to entrepreneur. And that's kind of like, the test, right? Can you actually build something that creates value versus just start something that's cool? Um, that sounds cool, but like, it, it maybe doesn't create that much value yet. Yeah, it's 
it's uh we were lucky enough it's nice when you have the little recap episodes i think at 100 or 200 you had a a friend come on and interview you so we we got to hear a lot about your story but there's so many aspects we want to dig into but if we rewind going back to say matt in in college and a little bit younger than uh before all of this was that when you got into entrepreneurship or where did this bug come from that you you really like this world? So there's this like hidden, it's not hidden, I'm not secret about it, but I, I don't talk about it where I actually before I would say startup land, before I became a startup person, I was actually a singer songwriter and from eighth grade to sophomore year of college, I put out hundreds of songs on YouTube. I put out like an album on Spotify, like toured. I didn't tour, but like I toured locally. I had t-shirts and stickers and stuff. And this was kind of my first entrepreneurial endeavor. It wasn't a startup, but I I, I hustled to sell tickets. I, I created a product. I created an online presence. I built up, I mean, it's not big at all, but I built up some <laughs> capacity of a YouTube channel. And, and, and I didn't really consider myself an entrepreneur at this point. I was just, I just love music. I love like sharing what I was doing. And it was only until I kind of entered startup land that I realized that like, oh shit, like I was actually, I've actually been an entre- entrepreneurial type for quite a while. I just didn't apply that to business building. It was like creating and songwriting. So that's kind of where this all started. And I would say I was a singer songwriter for longer than I've been a startup person. I was a singer songwriter for eight years and I've only been in startups for like five um, so it's kind of like interesting because obviously this is my life right now, but it, it's not even the thing I've done longest. Like I was, a, I was a music person for way longer, which I think is like kind of interesting to think about. That's, that's where it cool. started. What, um, what, cause Dylan and I, we, we graduated college last year. And what's so interesting for us is at least me is, well, it happened to both of us, but you go to college for one thing and you come out at least a lot of our friends, me and Dylan probably included, come out doing something completely different. So I'm curious, did the kind of course of your life, it sounds like maybe you were more music oriented going into college and you came out as an entrepreneur type. Um, what were you studying at the time? And so why, what happened to music basically? <laughs> what happened to music is that I suck. <laughs> <laughs> but you couldn't i'm fine you know i'm a really good guitarist i actually like i'm very i'm still like extremely talented at guitar but i don't have a great voice and i didn't i have a fine voice. it's fine but if you're gonna make it in music you need to be truly great and i realized my sophomore year of college i just like wasn't good enough to be to be at a uh, kind of perform at a supreme level so my that was my sophomore year so my junior year i had a video phase where i did, was doing making videos for sororities and this and whatever and that youtube channel m sherman tv and i was kind of like i was like exploring this new thing and then i remember the last day of school my junior year I got a startup idea. And this is like, I had no interest in startups. I didn't know who Paul Graham was. Didn't know why. Didn't know anything. And I just got an idea. Um, like, I think it was May 1st. I, I think I'll have to like, <laughs> like figure it out. Cause this was a, a huge, huge moment in my life, but I got a startup idea. I'm like, eh, let's like, let's try this. I'm and an entrepreneur. Just, yeah. <laughs> th- yeah. Pretty much. I mean, I kind of went through the cycles and everyone goes through, when you first get in, you, you go through cycles. And if you, if you stay in long enough, you then, um, you know, you, you can then kind of figure it out. Um, and I, that's, that's kind of my theme. Like I was not a smart entrepreneur, but I just stopped. I didn't leave the scene. I kept going and it's kind of, I've now I'm in a position where I'm like, 
you know, it's, it's compounded enough where I'm like actually doing cool things and I can make money from it. And that's great. But yeah, it all started with a startup idea. What um, was then, that idea? Then, Sorry. The idea, no, that's fine. It was the, the worst idea you ever <laughs> could, could fathom in the, in the history of the world. So it, I was, I was, I was running, um, I was on a jog. I got the idea on a jog. I remember this pretty vividly. I remember where I was, I was jogging. I was using the app zombies run, um, which is like a running app where zombies like chase you <laughs> and you need to like not you need to like run past it's like kind of fun but then i was like oh like this is kind of cool what if like the zombies were actually other people on the street huh <laughs> like, that's not that that's not that crazy well i can tell you why it is. so 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 i've learned a lot about startups and i can i can now de- like tell you why why it never <laughs> would have worked um but 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 then i'm like let's do it so it was it was called um it was just like like a, a thing where it's like you run and if someone else is on the app, they can like chase you and you run from them. But then if you're the zombie, you <laughs> it's like, was that a uh, Pokemon go, but like, uh, chasing each other but, like, or something. Stalkerish, but like it, it gives <laughs> you purge to chase people. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I remember the first, I got, God bless his soul. It was Mike, Mike Alonzo. I'm like, Hey, I want to build this. Like, can you, uh, again, I know nothing about anything startups. I'm like, Oh, I want to build this. Like, can you develop it for me? How much, how much would this will cost? And he's like, you know, Matt, you know, this might be a little too expensive for for you, but also I I would, I would encourage you to potentially simplify your idea. Um, cause I'm this guy that's just like, I know nothing again. I know nothing. I'm like, Oh, this sounds cool. And he, and he's like, you know, maybe simplify slightly. And that was the first startup lesson I ever learned. It's like, you know, you can start simple and simple is usually good. And that is the first of, of thousands of things of lessons I've learned on the path. And I'm still, I'm a 26, right? I'm like, I'm just getting started, which I think is the fun part. Right. By, by 30, you'll have a 500 page book on everything just cause you'll probably have a thousand podcast episodes by then. Yeah. What with the entrepreneurial world, like you get into it and you get obsessed. And what's interesting to me is how obsessed you were or still are with Y Combinator, Paul Graham, like, where did all this come from? Well, this is interesting because I, so Phoenix has a startup scene, just like any city has a startup scene. Um, and I, at that, this moment, didn't understand how strong SF was. I didn't, I didn't under, again, I didn't understand. I had to learn things. But the first, the first content, I don't know how I came across this. Maybe it was skill. Maybe it was luck. But when I decided I want to start a startup, very soon after, I came across the How to Start a Startup course by Y Combinator from Stanford in 2014. Um, and this is taught by Sam Altman and, and many other people. And, I, and this was one of the first pieces of content I ever consumed was out of the best, right, YC. And that was the seed in my brain that did two things for me. One, it taught me like how to actually do a startup. Not like this, like, not um not phoenix style not milwaukee style but like at, like san francisco style startup um which caused for con- controversy later in phoenix but it also they um they almost taught me in some ways everything that i not not everything that i know but they gave me the seed of like what i need to know about startups and i'm forever loyal to y combinator for that like i mean i'm now past the point where i think i want to apply but like y combinator was this program that taught me the basics of startups. And honestly, if it weren't for them, I probably would have learned from local people in Phoenix and I would have had a quite a different perspective mm. on things. And I'm grateful that, uh, you know, that, that I found YC. What is, what is so different about the Phoenix startup scene? I know San Francisco is San Francisco and Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, 
what what would have been so different if you just kind of jumped in in, in Phoenix? Because I know I know nothing about. Well, Phoenix I did. Or... So that's the thing. I I I so so I jumped in deep. So there's this community called Yes PHX that was started by, by a dear friend Jonathan Cotrell. and this is like you know the startup community the, the this in air quotes the startup community of Phoenix, and it was started by a ton of founders like Jonathan, like Mary Martinez, like, like a ton of people that like, or I respect. And if there were, if there was a community like them, I want to be a part of it. But what happened is the community grew very quickly and you got a lot of, as Brad Feld would put feeders that joined. So not founders, but like a lot of community, you know, enthusiasts, investors, press, etc. And there weren't really that many founders. And I'm here being like, yo, like if you want to build a startup community, like if you need founders and just, it wasn't really attracting these types of people. Um, and I've kind of thought this, I mean, I'm past this, like Phoenix and I had like a, like in some capacity, like a falling out. I was like a potentially a little too like aggressive for the scene, which I like respect and understand. I think everyone's kind of past it now, but there was a point where I was really trying to change things to make it better, to be more like San Francisco. And I finally realized that like nothing's like San Francisco. There's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with Phoenix. There's not like, it's a, it's a small business. You can build companies there. You can build some startups there, but you can't build San Francisco and Phoenix. Um, you just can't. And, 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 and that's when, when I got into the launch accelerator, that was Jason Calacanis' accelerator. I'm skipping it a little bit, but is that at MIT? Kind of, oh no, that's in San That's Launchpad. Sorry. never mind. <laughs> yeah. No worries. I, I then finally, I am jumping up for a bit so we can go back, but I finally got like what I wanted, which is like access to San Francisco networks plus my podcast. And then I finally was at peace in Phoenix because I didn't, I, I knew that if there was something else out there, which there was, I had access to it versus in Phoenix, the scene was not great for someone like me. And I knew there was something better out there. And I just, I didn't know how to find it. Um, so um, I guess to sum it all up, Phoenix is, is extremely great for small business. I, I am pretty avid. If you're trying to build a venture back company, like don't do it in Phoenix. And if you do do it in Phoenix, get investors in the Bay so, I mean, building in Phoenix is fine, but I, I mean, I've written preferred, I, I mean, this is a very, people might be listening to this, maybe like, yeah, oh, he's back to his old ways. No, this is how I'm always going to feel. <laughs> like, this is just how it is and we can dive into it, but um, if, if you want, but it's just not where you start a startup, you know, it's not, and if you, if it is, it's not where you'll succeed as big as you could somewhere else. I don't want to fast forward too much, but it is tied with the forward thinking city. I was just going to say that must be and how you got to forward thinking. City. Is that, yeah. Is that where you're like, I wish I had this, you know, five years ago, six years ago, whatever. Well, yes. So yes to what you just said, but I, I, many things happened in between like this Phoenix stuff. And then the, the culmination of forward thinking city and kind of like in short, there's, there was Phoenix. Then I started my podcast. Then I got into, we got into the launch accelerator and then Twitter. Ha- like I'm kind of big on Twitter now. And all these things kind of led me to get to kind of like to the inside networks of San Francisco. And I kind of got there. I'm like, wow, like this kind of sucks. Like, you know, like, 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 like the, this, this, it's obviously super powerful and there's lots of money, but there's this implicit rule that, that happened in San Francisco. And I didn't like that either. So here I am Phoenix. I don't like how Phoenix operates for startups. And I don't even like how San Francisco operate. Like, I know that's how it works, but like there are things about it, which we can definitely go into that. I, that I don't like, yeah. And I'm like, there's, if there's not a place that I like, if there's not a city 
that is great that, that, that I want to be a part of. Like, I'm just going to make my own. And that's exactly what I did and what I'm doing. That's super cool. And we'll get there. Um, I quickly want to piggyback on Twitter and then let's go back to your first startup. Um, but here's what's so crazy, Matt, is I'm new to Twitter. Dylan's new to Twitter literally within the last week because somebody came on here and said, if, if you're not on Twitter, you're just, you're missing it. You're missing out. Dylan, like either like something or retweet something that either you said or someone you follow, I see you're asking for people to come on and talk. And then I was like, here, let me come on and talk to you about my company that doesn't exist yet. Obviously you don't want to do that. But just the fact that a week ago, I didn't know who Matt Sherman was. Um, I was hardly even on Twitter. Now here you are, and I've dived so far into you know forward thinking founders and who you are, and it's just it's it's mind blowing. What uh, when did you realize Twitter and is such a powerful tool, and and how are you using it? So unlike the starting the startup moment, I actually don't. There's not a moment like one moment where I'm like, oh, like Twitter, Twitter is big. Like, I've been on Twitter for like three years. No, 2050. I've been on Twitter for five years. But it was only like in the last two, mainly in the last one that I really, you know, was active. It was probably after it was probably after actually Publoff died because um, after Publoff died, I, t- I, you know, le- I was less stressed. I joined a rocket ship in Prenda um, and I like was just able to tweet. Right. So I think I just started tweeting more. And then something happened like three months ago where I got some three or four really viral tweets in a row. I went from like 1500 followers to 3000 and like, very short amount of time. I'm like, okay, like, sweet. <laughs> you know, and then, and then most of like the city residents come from Twitter. So like, how do I use Twitter? I don't use it super methodologically. Like I tweet what I want to tweet. I, I'm not, I do tweet some businessy stuff. Um, but I just, I just, I'm me. Like, I think yeah. I, I don't have, I don't have a, I mean, my brand is me, right? I, like, I feel like if someone's listening to this, it kind of feels similar to what I put out on Twitter. I don't use it as a marketing, it is a marketing channel, but I don't use it as one. I just tweet what I want to tweet and that works. People like the authenticity yeah. and stuff. Dylan, I, f- I forget, I think, was it in the Isaac Morehouse? Dylan sent me, or is it more? Um, the interview you did with him, Matt, but I think it was him just basically saying like everything he does is on Twitter. It might not have been him, but in terms of networking and finding VCs and just the whole gamut. That's the thing. There are so many podcasts that we're listening to. You get Austin. I don't know how you keep track, Matt, but you've had so many amazing people on and we'll, we'll get into someone we know very closely by the way. Right. True. If we, if we go more chronologically back in time again, if we're say going to Publoft and Jason Calacanis, What's uh, well, one just to to sum up, it's basically you have all these writers out there, and you were connecting them with early companies, startups that needed blog posts. Is that a decent summary of what happened? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So you get funding, and you actually you were pretty much piggybacking the, or like not piggybacking, but putting the team on your back with growing it to was it twenty five thousand a month or like pretty yeah the, our 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 peak MRR was like 25k and like t- yeah about 25k in MRR know that um not under me we'll get into this maybe but like that sounds impressive like oh 25k MRR like your kid but like you don't like I had no capacity to understand like the cogs that came with that. <laughs> like it sounds good but like woo that was expensive so revenue. for anyone listening this is mon- monthly revenue and then cost of goods sold recurring revenue um, yeah or, yeah and Go ahead. yeah it's funny because uh, just hearing you like the whole money side 
or the, the finance side was never your, your specialty. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we learn slowly as we go. It was actually funny too listening to you say like, you, you kind of, you specialized in this one area, but you pushed off like maturing. I forget the exact quote that you had, but basically like now you're focusing on uh, some other aspects of the life. But right then you were just so deep in the world of uh, just starting that and getting off the ground. And, well, yeah. th- this is a product of Y Combinator. So Y Combinator said, oh, if you're like, you know, got to grow every week, got to grow every month or else like you're toast. And that's not what they say. That's they don't say that, but that's what I as a young 22-year-old, 23-year-old founder, I'm like, "Oh, I got to grow every month." So when I started Publop, and this and we don't have to go into the deep history of Publop cuz it's actually like this three there's there's multiple versions of it that even pre-Jeremy, but like the V1 of Publop, I literally there's we grew every single month for like eight months or nine months, except for one month. And that one month, I literally almost fainted on the first of the month being like, Oh my God, we didn't, we, we didn't grow like another, like, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't <laughs> matter. But at that moment I was under the spell of uh, YC. And again, this is not a knock on YC. This is a knock on my maturity as a founder. Um, you know, I mean, and, and it's been interesting, honestly, as I like, I'm an Arizona state communications grad. I'm not like, I don't even think I'm like the smartest person. I'm not, I'm not even that smart. I'm just like, tumbling through this but as i tumble i do get smarter right and i am becoming a better founder and it's just interesting to observe almost if i got went out of my body and just watched myself what i'm doing it's like pretty intriguing (laughs) like i've been just like my own journey by myself (laughs) henry and i were talking earlier about maybe it was the morehouse episode too i'm not sure but somewhere regarding like someone that say goes to an ivy league school and gets a degree there and say it's communications or something like that they would much rather hire a kid that has 60,000 followers on YouTube that never went to college or something like that for marketing because they actually know what it's like to build an audience. And that's so valuable. And that's why it's incredible. Like you don't need the the accolades or the degree or anything anymore. But was it intimidating for you? Because usually like you hear just Stanford, 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 all these elite schools. Was that at all in your mind? So no, I'm a pretty stubborn in a good way, good and bad way, founder. So I, I thought we were the bee's knees. I like, you know, I was pretty confident. Like when we were, I was, pit, I, it was just me pitching Jason because we had to fly up there. Um, I like, you know, I remember he's like, he said like, oh, I believe it. And I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm like, yeah, you know, this is, I got this. You know, and then I remember driving up to San Francisco with Jeremy. We we're writing songs about how we're going to raise a seat. We were like, we were just like, we got this, right? And I, I talked about this on that podcast, but I think when I like kind of, um, I don't know. I think when I, the reality kind of hit me, um, I will say actually the reality hit me when we lost our, our, our giant customer and then in during the accelerator and we got smacked around for the, like that, that was not fun. Like I, that was, that was, we, we should have probably dropped, like stopped the accelerator then. Cause we really were off the track, off the rails because of what, like, and I, as a, as a, as a C, former CEO of that, of that company, it's not founder, right? It wasn't a C, it was like four people on the, on the team as a founder of that company, co-founder of that company. I should have, you know, done the, done the job of like, you know, great. We just lost a third of our revenue. How are we going to get it back? Where are we going to cut costs? Where this, 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 but like, I didn't. And it's not because I didn't want to. I just didn't know that's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> like, I just wasn't there yet. I wasn't there as a founder. <laughs> and then correct me if I'm wrong, but instead of doing those things you just mentioned, you like drove over to Sand Hill Road, right? To try and 
raise more money or so we're, we're talking the beginning of the downfall than the end of the downfall so the beginning so, so so the beginning of it when we lost this customer um that was a third of our mrr this was during the accelerator and i just didn't do what i was supposed to do um at, at the same time i think i actually did because i i don't i didn't want to like pull up that's it's kind of a separate convo, but or we can talk about it here. But like, I don't want to raise a million or $5 million or $20 million for Pubble Up was not this thing that I wanted to be a venture scale. So maybe it was me subconsciously sabotaging myself because like, I like, didn't know what else to do. You know, and I don't, I, that's not a conscious act, but I, I do think there is a small element of that there. But then when you're talking about driving to Santa Hall, you're talking about so, so, so a year later, no, uh, nine months later, we were out of money, okay. no more salary nothing like it has been a hell of a year um so that so we got the 100k like we are now out of the 100k and revenue and i'm like screw it like this isn't time to be a great founder this is not what it's, this is not what great founders do in my opinion but i'm like let's drive up to sand hill road and and just see if i can pitch some of vcs like no plan nothing and i get up there and i'm like what the hell am i doing up here and i because i'm already burning so much money just doing being up there so then i i drove up there i think literally the next day i drove back home i'm like getting a job (laughs) (laughs) this is i think the disillusion on the west coast and i've spent my fair share of time there i know the founder of Basecamp was talking about it in a podcast what's his name jason freed yeah um basically he was saying like tech companies that that are born out of palo alto and, and silicon valley never really learn um like the importance of being profitable because there's no need to, because you can drive to Sand Hill road and have people write you checks, you know, like, well, Facebook is pretty profitable, but the likes of, of companies that size, they just keep getting VC funded and VC funded and VC funded. So they never learn like how to be profitable with one customer. Um, obviously you were young at the time. I mean, you were about our age, but it's just, it's interesting now to see you four years removed four or five years removed saying um, what well, you're able to shed some light on, on kind of how backwards some of that stuff is. Well, this is, this is the, um, this is the, the impetus and, and the thesis and the everything for the city, for the forward thinking city and note just to, to um, level set dates. So to give you a little bit of a timeline. So mm-hmm. first startup idea ever 2015 pub loft started in 2017 we got is the invest- pub P U B, yeah, loft. Okay, yeah, and then and then no for people that are for either you or people that are listening, pub loft and gig loft all the same thing. We can like that's like a like like, it, like those are the same company pretty much. And we got the investment from Jason in twenty nineteen, and then at the end of twenty nineteen, I got my job at Prenda, and now only. A month ago, which is today for the date is um, September third. I quit that job to start forward thinking. So this is all like okay. this is all pretty compact actually into like three years, which has been interesting for me. And I think it's really interesting that when you got that job and and on that kind of I think it was a recap of 2019 episode. Um, you were saying like you were just so happy to have a paycheck come in biweekly here every month, and you were so done suffering for three years because that's that's what it was um but here you go again you're you're headed back into the world it's true i i so as founders you have just like anything you have ebbs and flows and like you sometimes you need things sometimes you, you you need them less and 
I needed Prenda. One, Prenda was an incredible experience. I mean, it, it is very rare where you get to spend eight months at a future potential, like probably like $10 million company. Like Prenda is like, based on what I know, which I can't share, but like Prenda is going to be a very, very big company. Like I, I guarantee it. Um, and I like, I, I laid some of the pipes there, like, which is kind of fun. Additionally, I, no one on Prenda knew I was going to be there for very long. No one, even the CEO, he's like, I know you're going to like, I know you're not going to be there very long. I knew I wasn't going to be there very long. So I, I almost, I, I, I used Prenda for what, you know, for the stability in return, I gave them a lot, like all my value. And like, there was a very fair fit. It was a very fair, like partnership there. I mean, I wasn't, I worked there. Like, I was an employee, but I'm now to a point where I've saved up some money gotten some revenue from forward thinking and I am, I think more mature as a founder um, to then try again and suffering. Mm-hmm. You only suffer if you allow yourself to suffer and Publoft, I love the hustle porn. I'm like, Oh, I work so hard. I'm working so hard. You know, like, 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 like I loved, like I, I struggled so much. Whereas with forward thinking, look, like if I'm not able to get revenue, great, I'll take a gig. If I'm really not able to get revenue, great. I'll take a job. Like I'm not this like, I'm I'm way more of a mature, of a mature and better founder today than I was in 2017, and simply because of that is the reason why I left in a much like it was almost an easy-ish decision. It wasn't easy, but like once the decision was made, I'm like, great, here we go. Because I trust myself to be smarter than I was three years. I'm not going to go into debt this time. You know, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to try to raise. Like there were VCs that were like, you know, I'd love to meet and give you some capital, and I'm like, no. Like I like want to do this bootstrapped. So Smart. things are just different this time. You know, things are just they're a little different. That's what I'm curious about because I've always just been scared. I've been intimidated by the idea of pitching VCs and you did over a hundred. <laughs> so I can't imagine what that's even like. Why now are you bootstrapping to not have that outside pressure pushing you in a different direction or what's the main reason for that? Well, so that for sure. Like I, I don't want the outside pressure. I don't want the pressure to exit or anything like that. But the second thing is like, I, I really have from the accelerator and also from being in tech Twitter, I like really subscribe to Jason Fried's view on San Francisco. And I, you know, there's people that like the fact that I just like, I, I think we will raise maybe at some point, some sort of capital, but like, I guess I just don't need to, like, we're going to, we're going to become profitable, you know, soon. Like we're growing revenue fairly quickly. And even if like, we're not able to, I do have some angel friends that might be, you know, might be willing to write, write some checks, but it's like, even if not, I just, it, it can, it, it makes me ponder when you have someone out of YC, you know, with an idea, they can raise on, you know, not an idea, but like they get like, people that just like raise so much money with so little traction. And here I am being like, I can probably get to similar types of traction um, without any capital. And for me, I think the, la- the last thing I'll say is because I've always been a growth person. I, I want to um, build a-, a city, right. That competes with San Francisco. Like I literally, I want, I want, I want that. And this city is going to be based on the both the combined mindset of Jason Freed and San Francisco. So, um, and I think I do balance the two well. So just to answer your question in three ways, I don't want the pressure right now. I don't need it. And I think I am way better of a founder than a lot of the, the other, a lot, a lot of founders raising the seed. I can probably skip the seed round, Like I can probably get to revenue and raise an A round less dilution they'd be like oh but you couldn't grow my like, great but i at least own my company <laughs> like oh god it's just the whole the whole system is just makes me 
it just makes me like cringe slightly. Yeah, it's uh, it is. I love this pushback. I think it's always like we go over the line, and there's a little bit of uh, pushback towards this Jason Freed direction. We're also big uh, Derek Sivers fans, so we've been reading a lot of that stuff. Just like we're playing the long game. Like if you're trying to build something that lasts, there's no need to rush into it this year. Uh, so I think hearing more messages like that, it's funny because you, you started on one side, the traditional side, and now kind of going towards bootstrapping side. Well, do you know that I, I am on the bootstrap side right now? Like I started this a month ago, um, you know, and I think it would be irresponsible to my future self to raise capital right now. With that said, I, I don't think I'm like, I th- we will raise capital. I don't know if it will be equity. It might be debt. It might be, I, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. But but we will raise a capital. Um, but I guess I just I, I I ride the middle. I'm very much so like I understand both perspectives, and I ride the middle in that I I see why someone want to raise a bunch of capital. I see why someone wouldn't, and I see like use cases for both. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I don't know if this exists, but like yeah, I'm just like I want to be in the middle because I want the city to be the middle. I want the city to be. You can raise a lot of capital if it makes sense, but you also can bootstrap and build a giant company, and those both can exist, and those are both respected forms of entrepreneurship. I I'll mention this in the intro a little bit, give some details, but can we go into more depth about what exactly the city looks like now? What you envision it'll look like in a couple years? Sure. So right now the city is event-based. I am very good with no code. I'm not a developer, but I am probably like, I'm a very good no coder. So I like, I'm able to build pretty much anything I want. Um, and what I decided that this is going to be an event-based city. So there's no Slack. There's no circle that you join. You just pay 15 bucks a month and you get access to a list of events. Um, some of these events are AMAs. Like we did an AMA with Austin Allred. Yesterday we did one with Chris Hurd. We're doing one with uh, Seth um, from Founder Group next week, which is, that's a huge deal. Um, so you get to AMAs, ask these people questions, et cetera. Another element of the of the city is pitch battles. Every month we have a pitch battle. We get to pitch, you know, potential room awards, meet VCs. It's kind of a fun way. It's just like a fun thing to practice your pitch, potentially fundraise. And that we'll see where that goes over time. And then we have like social events, right? So you can go to our happy hours, our coffee hours, et cetera. Um, and, and we're going to have like different types of events as time goes on, of course. Um, and that is kind of the short term where the city is. It's, it's, event, it's, it's, it's event-based. It's like all based in Airtable with links to events. And you, you have to pay to get access to the links. So very basic. And it will always live in the cloud kind of forever. It's a virtual city, no? It will... Always, it will so it will always live in the cloud. Like, like th- this will never be something that great. Like, we're now going to be based in Phoenix or based here or based there. Um, so yes, it will always live in the cloud. I do. I would not be surprised if 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 it starts in the cloud, then elements of it would become physical. I don't. I, I have no. I, I'm not thinking about this now. I, I don't know what this will look like, but I um, I'm kind of building for me. Um, you know, because like, I I want this. And I think it would be it would be great if I could live in a San Francisco esque city, um, type of city, but kind of with the culture I want, right? You know, I, I, again, I, I think San Francisco is great in so many ways. Just in many ways, it's not. And like, if if I, you know, so I think physical, you know, is on the table on top of you know uh, always a virtual environment. I haven't. I don't even know if I've been to San Francisco. I know Henry lived there for a bit, but what's 
what downsides do you see? I think a lot of people see the upsides of just being in this. Downsides. I once paid $35 for like two tacos. <laughs> I swear, street tacos. I, I can't make that up. And a bottle of water, $35. You can't afford to live there. That's the downside. But Matt, what do you got? Well, yeah, there's that. There's, there's I mean, that whole element, cost of living. Um, but I, I think the downside is, you know, San Francisco has a, has, in the Bay Area, has a great PR team. Uh, like, you know, kind of a joke. But like, they, like the PR for raising capital is, is, is very strong, you know. It doesn't hurt YC to to attract get someone that goes in and you know, loses, right? It doesn't hurt any VC. Just like you know, I mean, Jason's. I have a lot of respect for how he handled 2019. He, he is a complete professional, although he has this persona that is suggestive, like suggestive, like as a being one of his investments. He is a professional, um, and like, but the thing is, like us going to the accelerator, losing his money, failing. He doesn't care because he has all his winners. And this is the this is the thing that that that. That, that that San Francisco forgets that yeah the winners are great they create a lot of value but there ain't that many of them and for every winner there are tons of people just like me that like the business was doing again this is a hundred percent my fault for what what went on but like the business was doing fine before you know before we took money and I think this is the case for thousands if not tens or hundreds of thousands of people that that drink the kool-aid go through the system and get spit out and realize that they were sold something that, that wasn't as pretty. And it's no, it's all there. It's their fault as found. No, I'm not like putting this on the Bay. This is founders fault. It's founders. It's on the founders to do their research, but it's at some point, like what are you supposed to do when you got YC? That's like, Oh, you got something that you went to Stanford coming. You know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's like, I think the downside of San Francisco is that the narrative only works for a few and for the people that it doesn't work for it, it, it at worst, you know, we waste time and money. And then at, at the truly worst, like it could potentially like, you know, derail your life slightly. Um, and, and I think that um, I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, yeah, derail I do, your I think- life. Look at, look at like Elizabeth Holmes, you know, of Theranos. I don't know if either of you are familiar, but she was swept up in this whole Steve Jobs, like, I'm going to build this trillion dollar uh, blood test company. And like, first of all, like you said, she got spit out and she probably can't do anything ever again. But it's also like so much of the Bay was instilled in her and her schooling and her research that, I mean, she kind of went off the deep end with it. That's an extreme example. I'm sure that it's everywhere because, I mean, that's, that's basically the business model is like you're, I think Peter Thiel said this, where you're one company, if you're a venture capitalist, like your, your top company is going to outperform all the other companies in your portfolio. So it's, it's, it's an interesting environment. Uh, <laughs> and I think that if you're a founder, and you can't do this in the moment because like good founders wouldn't, but you have to think like, are you going to be that one? Like, like, like objectively, if they invest in 30 companies, like, are you really going to be that company? Or mm-hmm. and what if you're not, you know, and it, it's, and that's it. like, I already said everything, but like, it's just, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I just like this. something. <laughs> the last thing I'll say about it actually is this is, so there's that element. Then the other element, and this is what I actually think is worse is the status element of it. And like the, the, the filters that people use to like give to, and like, this is like my whole experience. Like it took me so much to break into the network, but like, you know, you could have someone that, 
like you got someone executing on a great business in Iowa that wants to, that wants that could be venture scale, right? But just because they don't know the rules of the, the Bay Area, they're not welcome into the venture capital community. Whereas you got a random 18 year old that like that went to Stanford, maybe this, their dad worked at, you know, the great, here's, here's a million dollars. Let's try, see if your idea works. And I just think that like, like, it's just, it's just unfortunate for San Francisco. They're missing out on a lot of opportunities and they're missing out on a lot of potential higher returns of funds, but because they're not, they're actually not that risk adverse, contrary to popular yeah. belief, you know, they're, they're, that's, okay, one more thing. And then I'm going to stop laying into them. <laughs> they say like San Francisco has this narrative that they invest in, in, in outliers and outsiders. But you actually go in there and you actually like talk to some people and it's, it is not true. And I would have cut, I don't know if I'm able to, to, to curse on this and I would have cursed by whatever you like, want. It, it's like, it's just not they're, They thrive on pattern recognition. They thrive on filters and you can't even blame them because the stack of this, the way the whole thing works, the, like the LPs need the returns. So the VCs need the returns. So they invest in safe bets. But the whole narrative is the opposite of that. Like we'll invest in nobody's. Well, and I'm just like the whole thing just is icky, you know? And it's and been, yeah, we, we've talked about that. It's been that way for so long because of the dot com bubble. And when you took those risks and you did, you know, invested in pets, one, two, three, dot com, then they lost a whole lot of money and it hasn't recovered in that sense. And yeah, it's, there's a lot of risk aversion that's, that's masked here. I think you really nailed it in, in that. Um, well, I want to kind of go back to the podcast and everything that. Yeah, sorry, taken. I kind of derailed it with my, like my view <laughs> it's, on San Francisco. I'm sorry. No, it's fascinating because everyone, a, by the way, pedestal. it's a beautiful city. Like I love, like the weather is great, especially outside the city. Um, there's, a, there's just, Yeah. I think people need to know what they're getting into if they're going out there. And sometimes you get caught up in all the, the maybe craziness. I don't know how you want to term it, but um, it is a wild world. I guess I got to go out there to really experience it. So I know what I'm talking about, but I'm living vicariously through the podcast. And I guess at this point, 300 episodes plus like, I want to break down why, why are you doing like daily episodes? Why are you so crazy involved in this? Because few people can commit to something to the degree you have, Matt. And you were doing it while having that full-time job, right? With Prenda. Yeah, I just love startups. I love startups so much. And I don't just love <laughs> startups. I realize that I have, a, I have a knack and a skill for various reasons to actually find startups really early. And that's the theme of the podcast, right? The podcast isn't let me interview a bunch of startups. It's let me interview startups before you've heard of them. And then they then are successful. And then you're like, oh, like we know about them from the podcast. So in some ways, the po- the podcast will eventually lead to my entry into venture capital. Whether like I get a job or whether I start a fund, who you know? I don't care. Um, I, I do care. I would like to start my own thing, but like, you know, that's kind of in the future. Um, but it's like one, the way to prove it's a way to prove three things. It's one. I just love talking to founders all the time. Like if I could do that all the time, I would second it's to um, it's the venture capital side. It's like, here's actually some great, there's like this dynamic of, Oh, everyone he interviews, they could potentially be big. Some of them may not, some of them may be big, almost like a VC, but I'm not writing checks, right? It's just a podcast. Then the last thing, and this goes back to the previous point, which we don't have to talk more about, but I just want to show that to these VCs, like I can find this random guy in Phoenix, Arizona can get access to these deals before you. And I just want them to know that. (laughs) (laughs) That's really keep them on their toes. I mean, how, 
Twitter's one hack, uh, is it product hunt? I never got into that world, but I recently discovered, I guess you can look into- we think that, I think that's how you found our friend, uh, Valentin Perez, who founded Monthly. Um, I listened to that, I, it might've been a year ago now or nine months ago, but do you find a lot of your founders on, on product hunt? Product hunt is one of the sources I look at, yeah. Yeah, it's, it is cool to see. You normally don't get this picture. That's what Henry and I are doing. We're, we're starting this podcast. When Henry's got his idea, we're kind of growing some more nonsense in, in the background just to do it from day one. Really, everyone gets to see everything because it's light isn't shed on that world very often. So that's why I love what you're doing. One thing to mention is this is this will be included in like a future book I write or something. But the first three years of my startup journey, I actually chronicled in a in a that no one no one knows this uh, at least from the current world um 100 words a day i blogged for 100 words a day every day for for not every day but like for two or three years from 2015 to 2017 i blogged almost every day 100 <laughs> words a day and there is some that you want to talk you about gotta publish that yeah like, that that that'll be once i found like i don't think i'm successful i'm, I'm like on my way but that'll be like once i you know, find some success. I'll publish that and they'll see how raw AF I was. Cause man, I was raw. But that's the problem is we fetishize like the Steve jobs, the Elon Musk's, the, you know, Sheryl Sandberg's and nobody sees like that, that grind from the inside inside, unless it's immediate friends and family. Uh, I think that's what Dylan set out to do here and me in, in video format. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting because you never get like you hear about oh a lot of people say fetishize the the failure and stuff like that or or just the trials and tribulations but th- now we're literally inside your head a hundred words a day in theory whenever this book comes out we'll, we'll be sure to have you on even whenever still you're they're only that, they're only fetishizing the failures once that person is wildly successful and can talk about those failures it's never in the moment right what's uh so Matt right now if you had your little mock fun to play with. Is there anyone recently that really got you excited Ooh. that you're like, oh, I would double down on, on their company? Oh, there's like, I could, if, <laughs> yeah, there is. So <laughs> there's about 300 of them, actually. <laughs> let me, so let me, off the top of my head, um, so absolutely could do. I actually like, I, I think, I mean, I, I, I they're gonna, I, I don't, I, I can't, never mind. So there might be, yeah, could, could do. So could do is an app where you, <laughs> Um, they link to Strava so you can they can oh, yeah. see your fitness data and you're able to compete with other people on fitness challenges and there's actually money involved. And the thing, the reason why this is super interesting is is three is three reasons. First of all, there's been a lot of apps that have tried this and have got initial adoption then failed because of user churn. The churn was not because they like they got on for a reason. It was just too friction to add your information versus this is links to mm. Strava. So that's the first reason. Second reason is the CEO and the founding team are just super cool and not just cool, but like badasses and super smart, like really knows how to run a company or at least is learning. He's a young guy, but he, he stands out. And then lastly, um, I just love the product. Um, I've used it. Um, so there's, there's that another one that I, there, these people are not fundraising, but I, when they are, I, maybe I'll be wealthy and I can invest or they, I won't cause everyone else wants to invest, but gather, Gather is one of these like spatial 2D maps that kind of create combine Zoom and Mario Kart Mario Party, um, and it, it is just bloody fascinating. The team, you know, is brilliant. Is that how you were playing Pong 
with your Zoom yes. members? Okay. <laughs> and then let me see. I mean, I can honestly just look at my podcast RSS feed. Those are the two that come to mind um, right now. I mean, there's also, yeah, hold on. Let me, um, those, are, those are two. I, how many, I can give you probably like way more. I'm curious, but I don't want to like just spurt out like for 10 <laughs> minutes because I could if I, if I had, if I wanted to. Your, yeah, I'd be curious your, uh, like your, your starting five lineup or something like that, but I don't want to put too much uh, pressure on you to pick whenever but I, this is why i do the podcast i like i i i love like if someone's like yo i, I you know just started this project doing x y and z i would invite it on to the podcast and after the podcast i might be like great this is cool but in my head being like i would never invest <laughs> or this like the someone i was talking to yesterday no it was even no it was like an this hour is like what i tweeted at you <laughs> and <You're> like, <laughs> what what was this it's like you're like yeah this is okay never invest <laughs> Oh yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. There needs to be more transparency in this in this market. Like I, and the thing is, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't think I said I would never. I think I said keep me, keep me updated. Yeah, yeah, or no, like, I'm kidding. Yeah, you know, because you know, I, I do value progress. But this, <laughs> you're, you're right. That is funny. But there's some people that I that they can be so early. I just, I, they just have it. There's, th- there's the right market, the right team, right, whatever. And I just have a feeling. I'm like, great. Like, if I, you know, I want to phantom invest and i don't have a vehicle for me to do this right now but um, what is the, I, I do i'm yeah. sorry to jump in um in terms That's of fine. trends is it usually what gets you most excited about a, a, a company is it the team is it the idea what what gets you really motivated so it starts with market um like markets how i filter because there are so many talented people working on trillions of industries, not tr- like dozens of industries. <laughs> and, trillions uh, and, to dozens. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So like dozens of industries. Um, and some of these, and like I won't be able to talk to all of them, right? So my initial filter for any reach out to is market first. So like if you're, if you're building in a market that's interesting, then I check out your site. And then if the site is different from other things I've seen on the market, it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be better. If it's just different, then I invite you. Like it's that's that, what like, you I don't, do. You asked huh? me for my URL. You asked me for a non-existent URL. <laughs> oh yeah, well, you, yeah, just, uh, right. I mean, so when you have a URL, you're you're closer. You're closer forward. <laughs> yeah. The first step. Belgi didn't even make the first. Yeah. The threshold. Um, so that and then and then it, so pretty much if they're in an interesting market doing something different, I'll usually invite them on. Uh, yeah, that that that's that's one one of a few kind of frameworks that I use for how I invite people on. Can I ask you then, Matt? Um, I was just watching a TED Talk and it was about the the most significant signifier. Ugh, that's too many sig- signy words. Um, of, of a company's success, it wasn't team, it wasn't fundraising, it wasn't work ethic or luck, it was timing. That was the biggest indicator of success. Yeah. I think that might play into the market thing you're kind of talking about. It's the same thing. Timing and market, 100%. Like, Yes. Um, I, I, and I, I've adopted this very much so. And I, I thought I didn't fully understand this as a founder, but now I, I understand it. I understand it well, like, like, like forward thinking city, like, you know, if I was to mm. raise capital, like the timings, like we all just went online and no one knows what to do with <laughs> ourselves. Yeah. Right? right. Um, so, and that, but then there, yeah. So t- I think timing and market are synonymous. That's interesting. Totally now that right. I think about it, I, I feel like so many founders in those interviews when they're incredibly successful, so many of them say, you know, I was in the right time, right place. Maybe it was the dot-com bubble. Maybe it's this crypto bubble, whatever it is. Um, so many of them say right time, right place. It's just about acting on it. What, yep. uh, what other lessons have come from so many episodes of just talking to founders? Yeah, that's a good question. 
Yeah, because you're. That, this is our fifty second. Yeah, we so did like a fiftieth episode. These are all the lessons we learned from the podcast. You're two hundred fifty ahead. You're a veteran. Do you jot down like, or I guess maybe it's all mental, like what you've learned over the years or year? Well, yeah. Well, I'm uh, totally honest. You're gonna come up with this on the spot. I'm just gonna like think through uh, the, the, and then just like kind of come like share what comes up. I mean, but definitely the first thing is that like. And this is not unique. This is con- you've both probably heard this, but I think it's worth saying again. Like the people, like like the people that I talk to, maybe the more prolific people, like Austin Allred or Eric Reese or Imanda Kuhn. Like I firmly believe that no individual person is actually like that smart. It's just like that you're at what assets you build, and then the surface area, um, the the luck surface area that you create for yourself. Well, you just you just had a post on this too, right? With uh, building an asset. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yep. So that that is something I spend a lot of, a lot of time thinking about. Like th- things are not as hard as people think, <laughs> but then at the same time, some make them harder if they raise like five million dollars out of the gate. Yeah. yeah, you just made a, you just made it harder on yourself. Congratulations. <laughs> but I, I just think so. There's that. That's the first thing. The second thing is that I I don't know if it's just I don't know if I was like this before the podcast, but I just am really now good at my bullshit meter is just really great. And I'm able to like, not, not for the guests. The guests are pretty much always fantastic, but because I, I get to hear what high quality founders think about things all the time, I then can pattern match like when something doesn't, doesn't match. Right. And I think that one of the lessons I've learned from the podcast is I get so many different perspectives from these early stage founders. I almost in some ways, um, gives me like more of a jump on the market than investors or something like that. So there's that. Then I would say the, the last thing is that, analytics like i mean i don't know what your guys's views are at you don't have to share but like mine are lower than everyone thinks they're not small like i i got you know i got i got a lot of subscribers and a lot of views but for 300 episodes people sometimes like oh are you at a million are you this i'm just like i'm not gonna tell you but it's not as high as you think and that's okay because i don't do it for the views i do it for the conversation so the last thing i would say is like you got you know like the last thing i would say is punt the analytics right screw the analytics just focus on the conversations and the one product i want to build that one day is a personal crm that is doubles as a podcast player where there's no analytics it's just a way to keep up with your pre- previous guests i think that'd be an awesome idea and like i would build it you know if i if i get to that point yeah now i'm thinking you have such a network out there it's it's almost overwhelming like all these people like floating in the world but it's it's fantastic when you do have the money or you do want to reach out you already talked to them for 30 minutes. It's And like you yeah, say, your, your yeah, conversations exactly. with them are so much more casual and different than the information VCs are getting when they pitch with these people. And I think what you're doing with these guests is way more valuable. Kind of like you said, is you, you're actually ahead of a lot of VCs um, in, in, well, the, in that is, respect. I There will be a time. I don't know if it's forward thinking or, or a separate startup. My, it'll be all com- similar, but there... Like at some point, I will probably raise, I, I will probably go big with something. And it is a product that eliminates, uh, that devalues the warm intro and, and, and it replaces it with something else. And it's now, everyone talks about it like, oh, that's like, you know, cute, whatever. But I actually like, I like think it's actually possible. And, and I'm going to need some help, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to need like Calvary. Um, and one of the reasons that I do all these podcasts is not like I expect them all to help me, but like, 
I got the, st- the my deck, the deck stand like, stacked against me, right? Like I am not born in anything. I'm born in Phoenix, I'm raised in Phoenix. Like I, I, I have a network, but I didn't do YC or this or that or this. So I want to kind of, st- you know, when I do embark on this, could be in two months, could be in two years, like who knows? But I want to give myself the most, the biggest advantage I possibly can because like I'm pretty much going to try to change a culture of a city <laughs> and like that, that, you don't, you don't, uh, and I'm talking about, I'm talking about San Francisco. So you need, you need um, help. And I'm just kind of like, this is the Calvary, you know, even if they don't help just like being on the podcast and me knowing them and them knowing me, like, I love that, you know, Matt, that is very wise. And, and we'll let you run. Um, again, I, I feel like when, when people come on, we, we only scratch the surface of all the things we can talk I know about. That's- so that's why we're like, oh, we'll see. Maybe Matt will be okay with, you know, an hour and a half or two hours. But I know you're busy. You got stuff to do. You got a podcast shooting every single day uh, in addition to your city to run. So, Mr. <laughs> Mayor, we'll let you go. But anything you want to mention, uh, we'll, we'll do it in the intro. But any parting thoughts? Yeah, I mean, for parting thoughts, I think that for anyone listening, things are a lot more attainable than you think. And, and I think on top of that, um, great. Here we go. This is what I want to finish it with. Um, people think that they have to be like great from day one to build something to build something great. But in reality, all um, all great is is good every day. If you're good mm. consistently, you will be great. And that's what I've learned after 300 podcast episodes. Like I am one episode does not make it great. What makes it great is I've done 300 of them. Um, and it's been every day. So you know, good equals great consistently. Very sorry, cool. good equals, yeah, good, good equals, great equals sorry, good, consistently. great equals good consistently. That's right. I love that. I might have to get that tattooed on my uh, inner arm. Like Henry has a tattoo to remind him there. This is awesome. Matt, thanks again for jumping on. We'll, we'll touch base again, maybe at 500, whenever the book comes out, we'll get you on. But uh, it's been awesome talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, sounds good. It was nice chatting with you thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt. Well. All right.